the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Dennis Prager Show. And we will be continuing our battle for the country. Uh, There will be... uh, And I'll explain why I'm using this word. No amnesia on this show with regard to what was done to the American people uh, in uh, in the truly, truly wrong, morally wrong way in which this country was so dramatically changed with the so-called health care bill. But there are many, many topics of significance, obviously, in our time and before our time, for that matter. I have in the studio with me a man that I know for many years and whom I regard uh, as one of the lights in American life. And uh, Alan it was nodding his head while I said this, and it's uh, and anybody who knows him, and you don't have to know him personally. If you know him personally, you know what a good man he is, what an important American he has been. He ran for the U.S. Senate from California, and in a night that I consider one of the worst of my life, and uh, I, I mean that literally. Uh, he lost to uh, Barbara Boxer. Uh, when I think of what excellence could have been in the U.S. Senate and what ended up, it is, uh, it's one of those things that you have to work through in your life psychologically and uh, politically. He is, of course, Bruce Hershenson, uh, who uh, has a lifetime of expertise in foreign affairs, uh, very few uh, parallels to him. He is currently senior fellow at the Pepperdine University School of Public Policy. Uh, Every time he writes a book, uh, we have a sort of tradition that he does his first public appearance uh, on my show, or at least that's what he tells me. I I have no idea if that's true, but uh, it's a a line he uses with me, and I I buy it every book, and, you know, what the hell. (laughs) Your sense every book, Dennis. Oh, I see. I I, I see. That's what it is. That's That's what what it is. I'm sent it first. <laughs> Thanks for what you said, Dennis. Well, you deserve it. You, you are a, you are a light in this country, and and every, many people listening know how true that is. And uh, his latest book meets every criterion that I have for a book that must be read. First of all, it it, it is under two hundred pages, and you know how much I admire that because people should be able to say what they do if they can. For all I know, my next book will be over and I'll really have to eat my words. <laughs> but I like 200-page books. Secondly, it is it is about a subject wherein I, w- I wish Americans were ignorant. It's worse. Americans are not merely ignorant of this. That What they do know is wrong. That's what is so sad. And it is, of course, I'm speaking about uh, the... The title of his book, An American Amnesia, How the United States Congress, and that's an important subtitle, How the U.S. Congress Forced the Surrenders of South Vietnam and Cambodia. How did we win the war in Vietnam and then lose? How does that happen? How do you win a war and then two years later you you are, are leaving 
the place in abject surrender, as it were. How does that happen? He explains how that happens in this book, An American Amnesia. Needless to say, it is up at DennisPrager.com. We're going to talk to Bruce Hershenson about foreign policy generally and, of course, about the book. But first, Bruce, welcome to my show. Thank you so much, Dennis. Thank you for what you said. And by the way, folks, uh, you, you don't know this because Bruce is very serious about America and about foreign affairs. He is one of the funniest people I know. You will not hear a single funny thing from him this hour, but I promise you. (laughs) Look, let's be honest. The book doesn't exactly elicit, right, one sense of humor. I mean, let's be honest. You're absolutely right. It's not a knee knee slapper. Uh, But uh, if you would see the roast, I was roasted for 25 years in radio three, three years ago. And Bruce was one of the roasters, and uh, I have watched it now three times, and I, I laugh harder each time. Uh, you you were just magnificent. You you brought the house down, Bruce. Thanks, was, was that, was, that was a great evening. Yeah, it was a great. It was. By the way, that DVD is available. The, when I was roasted, Alan was one of those who roasted me. Michael Medved was the uh, was the uh, MC. It, it was. It, it, you will laugh your heads off. And then when I got back at all of them, I, I that was a great thrill for it me, was frankly. Terrific. Yeah, really, to bury you all alive. It was, it was. Anyway, you can get that, 800-225-8584. We all need a little, uh, a little laughter in our lives, and, and, and you'll, you'll know a lot of the people, of course, and you know me. So, uh, and, and I tell the basketball story uh, on that when I, when I ran to the wrong side of the court in Madison Square Garden. For that alone, I, I, I think I can say you should get the DVD. Anyway, go to DennisPrager.com, the store, or 800-225-8584. The book here is American Amnesia. This must, uh, and again, the subtitle is very important, How the U.S. Congress Forced the Surrenders of South Vietnam and Cambodia. This must must have eaten you up for all these years. Is that fair to say? Uh, It sure has, but I didn't really recognize that the young people never even learn it. Um, As you know, I... Uh, teach over at uh, Pepperdine, foreign policy. Mm-hmm. And uh, although it's current events, that's what my focus is. It's not, a, it's not a history class. But every semester I talk about Vietnam because it always becomes a current event. No matter what the military uh, cause may be at the time, someone says, ah, oh, it's another Vietnam, or they bring it up in some way, whether, whether we're talking about Grenada or the liberation of Kuwait Biden, Senator Biden said the liberation of Kuwait, another Vietnam, uh, or uh, uh, Bosnia, Kosovo, obviously Iraq and Afghanistan. It just comes up continually. And yet no one seems to remember really what happened. And a girl stood up once, and she's at the end of one of these sessions, it was about a three-hour session, and these are postgraduate students, and she said, well, how come my professor never told us any of this? And the only answer I could give was that, obviously, I don't know. I don't know your professor. I don't even know what college you attended before this. Uh, My guess is that either your professor didn't know or he did know and didn't want you to know. And Dennis, I'm convinced it was really the second. Because, and then I realized I got to write a book on this stuff because these people don't know it. And then it wasn't just the young people. It was people who lived through the time that are adults who are in that era and do not remember. We won the war. We won the war on January the 23rd of 1973. The president gave a speech at night about the agreement that he got. 
And many Americans, the demonstrators, the media, a lot of college professors, the Congress, were not happy about this. They wanted us to lose. And I say this without any hesitation. They did. They had an investment in our failure because their reputations hung on it. They had said so long that we couldn't win. They had said so long we just got to get out. They had said so long that that there would be uh, uh, certainly no bloodbath if we were just to leave. It was they wanted us to lose, and they set about to do it. It took two and a quarter years, but after we had this win, South Vietnam and Cambodia were driven to surrender, and it was totally because of the actions of the U.S. Congress based on the influence of the media, the demonstrators, the college professors, those people who were saying we shouldn't get be in any sense, not even give any any money to South Vietnam. I'm getting a little ahead of myself. May I may I may Please, I, may I absolutely, tell you about this? Yes. How did first how did we win? Uh, uh, President Nixon ordered a the bombing of Hanoi and Haiphong in December of nineteen seventy two massive bombing of military and industrial targets. And it was so massive that we brought the North Vietnamese to their knees. During that bombing period, which incidentally the media called and still does call, uh, if you buy any, uh, any book on Vietnam, look under C and you'll see Christmas bombing. We didn't bomb on Christmas. Uh, President Nixon called for a 36-hour bombing pause over Christmas. Never, never did it. Uh, but they called it the Christmas bombing pause. Uh, excuse me, the Christmas bombing, certainly not the pause. And uh, during that period of time, uh, the Washington Post said that millions of Americans uh, uh, cringe in, in believing that the president lost his sanity. Uh, uh, I, I'm paraphrasing, but it's very, very close to what he said. And you, you, have Lewis, a, you have a list here. I have a of list what of what, what the press. War by tantrum. The biggest journalist at the and, New York and as Times, I, as I recall, Anthony Lewis uh, said that he's acting like a ma- uh, the president's acting like a maddened tyrant. Everyone seemed seemed to be opposed uh, opposed to it, but it worked. They signed an agreement that is everything that Presidents Eisenhower, Kennedy, Johnson, and Nixon wanted. We called it a ceasefire, but it was so much more. And, and uh, right, we'll, we'll come okay, to that. Let obviously. me tell you what it was, folks. It doesn't get more important than this. An American Amnesia is the book. I beg you to get it. It's up at DennisPrager.com. Bruce Hershenson. I'm Dennis Prager. Hi, Dennis Prager here again with a message for anyone struggling with pain. Of course, I want you to know about Relief Factor, the 100% drug-free supplement that tens of thousands are now taking every day. I take it every day. I like being out of pain. But I know you may be skeptical. I certainly was. Then I kept hearing about all the people, including my wife, who were no longer in pain. So I decided to give it a try. In fact, listen to Janice's story. I was skeptical at first. But because of the pain that I was having when I would uh, substitute teach and have to climb stairs, so I have lower back, hip, and even knee pain. And after about three weeks, I found that I could climb stairs pain-free. But it wasn't only pain-free. I could do it step over step without holding on the railing. I'm really happy. It's, it makes me feel like I'm young again. That's relieffactor.com or call 800-500-8384. Eight hundred five hundred eighty three eighty four. 
You're listening to the Dennis Prager Show. This is a uh, an hour that I have looked forward to and think is so important. All you hear, all you hear, folks, is another Vietnam. We can't have another Vietnam, another Vietnam, another V. Viet- it's like the name of the country is another Vietnam. I call it one word. I don't even put any space between <laughs> R and V. That's so It's just, good. it's another Vietnam. That's exactly right. Yeah. An- yeah. Another Vietnam. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, so what happened is. in Vietnam? I mean, no, oh, no, no it, one wants to talk about nobody. Really, exactly. No, exactly. That's why this book, An American Amnesia, by Bruce Hershenson, one of the foremost foreign policy experts in the United States. And it's the subtitle, How the U.S. Congress Forced the Surrenders of South Vietnam and Cambodia. And please understand, nothing has changed. That's the party. I'm, I mean, I'm sorry to politicize it, but it was political. The Democratic Party was the Congress. You know, if they would apologize, if they'd say, I mean, sometimes you do things that are wrong. Well, by God, say you were wrong. And in this case, wrong. They caused more death in the first year of the peace, and I'm putting that word peace in quotation marks, than all of the killing that was done in the entire decade of war preceding that first year of peace. Genocide. You're talking about Cambodia. I'm talking about Cambodia and Vietnam. I'm talking about, I call it Southeast Asia because that's really what it was. It was two wars, but it was very highly mixed. Let me just tell you the agreement that we got, Dennis, if I may. Am I interrupting your train of thought? No, not at all. I want, no, no. Your your train is the more important train. A 1 8 Prager 776. I especially, obviously, anybody is free to call in, and I welcome anybody's call. But I I particularly am curious if you are post-Vietnam generation, where Vietnam is history to you, what do you know? I don't mean factually. What, but what do you know in the sense of, well, I guess factually, what what happened and what does another Vietnam mean to you? 1-8 Prager 776 is 877-243-7776. We have a, a number of calls I want to take, but okay, okay go, go straight to you now. Okay. We got this agreement. North Vietnamese signed it, the Viet Cong signed it, that the South Vietnamese would have free elections, that they would have the freedoms that we have. And the way that we did it was we plagiarized our own First Amendment, speech, press, religion, assembly, liberty. And then we added every blessed freedom that we could think of to it, words that no one would have probably have thought of, freedom of movement, freedom of residence, private enterprise, private Mm -hmm. property, a a whole list of them. Because communists Uh, didn't allow any of that. uh, Of course. North Vietnamese, Viet Cong signed it. Uh, uh, that we would re- we would get our uh, the incarcerated prisoners uh, U.S. prisoners back from Hanoi, uh, and then and this is the one that's important because this is how things developed. We would, did not want to be so naive as to assume they wouldn't use aggression again. So we said that we had the right to give a peace for peace P I E C E for peace. Uh, replacement of any military assets of the South Vietnamese that they may lose. In other words, we're not going to give them a lot of stuff. We're not going to give them less than they lose. But if they're forced to use any? If they're forced to use any, a bullet for a bullet, uh, a helicopter for right. a helicopter, peace for peace. Soviet Union could do the same thing if they wanted with North Vietnam. Okay. Now, when we signed this thing, and there were these people who were so terribly unhappy that we also got the signatures of the North Vietnamese and the, and the Viet Cong. There was one way that they could really circumvent this. 
because the Peace for Peace provision called for the Congress to appropriate the funds. And they decided they didn't want to appropriate the funds. Even though it was the word of the United States of America, we signed this thing. And so what they did was they started attaching amendments. Who's to the they? Days. Who's the they? The Democrat majority. Okay, it needs to be stated. The, 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 they started making amendments to any bill that came along that had nothing to do with it of stopping any economic aid to, uh, or military aid, obviously, to uh, South Vietnam or Cambodia. Uh, President Nixon would veto it. Uh, now, I have to tell you a simultaneous story was Watergate became a national scandal. Then President Nixon. Give us the date here. That it became a national scandal. Well, it came so very slowly. I mean, Watergate itself was in June of 1972. I'm now in uh, 73 and 74. And, and, and it had slowly become a national scandal to the point that the, uh, that the president re- resigned on the 9th of, of uh, August of 1974. He resigned. Gerald Ford became president. Uh, Less than three months later, there was a congressional election, like the one that we're going to have in November. The Democrats won by one of the biggest, if not the biggest, landslide you can, that we've had. I mean, it was just a, a tremendous landslide. They won everything. President Ford became almost what I would call a caretaker president. Mm-hmm. In effect, the legislature was running both the legislative body and the executive body. And, and uh, he, he had vetoes overridden and all kinds of things. It was extremely rough. Well, as always happens, an enemy tests the new president, particularly an unelected president. They tested him. With he, a hostile parliament. Uh, with, well, uh, yes, yes. But what, what I'm talking about is the North Vietnamese test. Yeah, no, I'm saying a yeah. hostile oh, I see, testing with a, a president you with bet. his own hostile parliament. Exactly, exactly right. I see what you mean. And so what they did was they had some small offensives offenses to see if he would do anything. He did nothing. They had another small offensive, nothing, another one. And then they decided a big one, and they took over Fan Long province, big province. Give us a date here. That date was in 1975. Uh, I believe it was the end of March or the beginning of, uh, uh, I mean, the end of, excuse me, the end of February, the beginning of And March. remember... We we won in the accords of seventy three, folks. Just to that put this correct. in context, January the twenty third of, of nineteen seventy three. So, so they took over the province. President Ford sent out his uh, army chief of staff, General Wyand, to give him an assessment of what was going on and advice. You should read this assessment. It was eyes only for the president at the time, declassified, and I got most of it in the thing in the book. So. He gives this assessment, and he's predicting the surrender of Cambodia and South Vietnam unless we give this peace for peace. As we said. As we promised yes. as a nation. Right. And so uh, the president didn't waste any time. He, uh, within five days, he was giving an evening primetime television joint session of the Congress pleading for the money that General Wines requested, and it was $722 million. Today we speak of billions and trillions, 722 million, or he said Cambodia and South Vietnam can indeed surrender. Many of the members of the Congress walked out on him. Then they had little press conferences like they always do after a presidential speech, and, the, and, the, and the, many members are saying we're not going to vote for this. I make mention of these dates because these, these are important. The speech was April the 10th of 1975. On April the 17th, one week after that, Cambodia surrendered.
We'll be back in a moment. You're listening to Dennis Prager Show with Bruce Hershenson. The book, Essential Reading for All Americans, an American amnesia, up at DennisPrager.com. Talking to Bruce Hershenson and hearing what he has to say and reading his book, An American Amnesia, uh, it's both exhilarating and it makes you want to cry. Uh, Actually, you have both. It's a a rare thing that you have both reactions. Folks, uh, unless, unless I have it all wrong, we won the war and then we lost because Congress wouldn't follow through. Uh, with what was agreed when the peace accords were signed because a, a, a left-wing Congress took over during Watergate. Does it sound familiar, a left-wing Congress? Bruce Hershenson, you were, you were going to finish this point, then, look, I, then I'm going to go to Cole. Oh, uh, good. Oh, I, I'm glad of that. Uh, yeah, uh, the president gave this speech on April the 10th of 75. April the 17th, Cambodia fell. April the 30th, South Vietnam fell. I'm, I, I, so, as, so as to not be too long, I'm going to just condense this. This is the reaction of much of, much of the Congress. Senator William Fulbright said on the night of the surrender of South Vietnam, he said, I am no more concerned than I would be if Arkansas lost a football game to Texas. That's what he said. And I have a lot of other statements that were made, but I, want to, I, I just want to condense this. That started the genocide of Southeast Asia. To, to the point, I'll just give a few things about Cambodia, a few things about South Vietnam, and then, and then go, we'll, we'll go on. But remember Sidney Shanberg? Of course. Okay, he was made a hero in the killing fields. Mm-hmm. Uh, he won the Pulitzer Prize. New York Times. He, he wrote, I have seen the Khmer Rouge, and they are not killing anyone. Okay. The Khmer Rouge killed about from between one quarter and one third of the people of Cambodia. Right, they went, it went into hospitals. Most of them tortured to death. Uh, that's correct. And and uh, they went into the uh, on April the seventeenth. They went into the uh, main hospital in Phnom Penh, the capital city, and what they did was killed doctors, nurses, stopped surgeries, patients. Everyone had to go out into the fields. If you were if you weren't able to go out into the fields, you were executed. And this trek they into wished the to field. destroy. The, the, this was the radical left. Khmer Rouge means red uh, Cambodians. Cambodians, mm-hmm. and they believed. I mean, it, it's 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 sick beyond words that urban civilization should be destroyed. That is correct. So a hospital is urban. That's so correct. you destroy it. Go That's on. That's correct. Right. Okay. I'm not going to go into all the atrocities. I right there. In South Vietnam, it was turned into a. Uh, what I'd call an archipelago of re-education camps, mm-hmm. which is a synonym for torture chambers, mm-hmm. started the phenomenon of boat people. The estimates, these are only estimates, were about a million boat people. And a mm-hmm. boat person means if someone who just takes a piece of wood and goes out on a whatever it may be. The estimate is that half of them, 500,000, are still lying under the South China Sea. Yeah, most eaten by sharks. That, that, that is correct. And so, and so uh, that is the piece that was that that came about from all of those posters that said that said peace now i asked former president nixon what he would have done if he was still president and the congress refused to to keep the word that he had signed for the united states of america 
And without a blink, he said, I would have bombed the blazes out of Hanoi and Haiphong again and just kept it up. And if it, kept, it came to Cambodia, I'd do the same there. And uh, he said, I probably would have been impeached because they wouldn't have had the funds to do it. He said, but so what? And now I know I'm quoting with precision. Mm -hmm. He said, but so what? I would have saved the lives of thousands. Then he corrected himself. He said, no, millions of Southeast Asians. That's correct. All right, we're going to get, I have my own question on Cambodia. Let's go to some calls. Morgan, 27 years of age. I, I rarely mention ages, but it's relevant here. Phoenix, Arizona. Hello, Morgan. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Thank you for calling. I um, remember enough that I had a high school history teacher who was a former Navy SEAL. Mm. But I imagine he taught to the curriculum because I always knew that uh, we lost the Vietnam War. And then when I hit college and started learning some things on my own, I was still under the impression that we lost, but that we lost because of, um, you know, politics that and sort of an anti-war sentiment. And this is the first I've heard of of uh, an assertion that we actually won the war or that, uh, you know, we won and then allowed people to die. Okay. Thank you so much. That's He represents 98% of Americans under 40, in my opinion. Is that right, Sean? Sean is nodding as well. Sean is under 40, qualifies. We'll be back in a moment with Bruce Hershenson. The critically important book on American amnesia up at DennisPrager.com. You're listening to the Dennis Prager Show. With me is Bruce Hershenson, one of the most inspiring Americans that I've known in my lifetime. I'll leave it at that except to tell you his official title now, was Senior Fellow at the Pepperdine University School of Public Policy, where students are fortunate enough to study with him. His latest book is An American Amnesia, How the U.S. Congress, the subtitle is the key here, How the U.S. Congress Forced the Surrenders of South Vietnam and Cambodia. And it is, uh, it's very difficult for me to control my anger at the left here because of the genocides that took place in Southeast Asia, because of antipathy to American victory. And yet, what what can one say? Even, I'll tell you, people who know the killing fields, you talk about amnesia, and you're entirely right. I mean, I I think it's even worse than amnesia. It's actually original ignorance, to to play on the words original sin. But, But I'll tell you where there is amnesia. I think I would be very curious to ask the average... First of all, I don't know if the average college student even knows about the Cambodian genocide. But if you say killing fields, maybe thanks to the movie, uh, they might know about it. But I would then like to ask them, who, what were the politics of the people who uh, slaughtered a third of the Cambodian people, which is the same number as Jews slaughtered in the Holocaust, a third of all Jews on earth? What What... What were their politics? I don't know if they would even know that they were communists, that they were leftists. I, I, I don't know. It, well, that's what Rouge is. Yes, of yeah, course. Yeah. Yes, but they don't know that Rouge is that. I got, they I don't know you. French. I got you, yeah. Yeah, you, <laughs> what you take for, for as a given isn't a given. That's how bad it is. Uh, I mean, the classic example is in the United States. I'll, I would bet uh, anything that I have 
that if you ask the average student, college student, what were the politics, right, centrist, or left, of the assassin of John F. Kennedy, they would say right. You're probably right. They probably would. Yeah. Not knowing that he was in the Soviet Union. Well, he's a communist. Cuba. He's yes, a communist. Yes. Marxist, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's how bad it is. That's how bad it is. 1-8 Prager 776. There was a, the, a, a wife of a, of a Vietnam vet just called and just to say how happy she was. Oh, I'm glad to, to hear. hear this. Boy, that makes me feel good. Yes, you should. Yes, exactly right. Okay, uh, let's go to uh, let's go to a challenge here from Los Angeles. Jason, hello, Jason. Thanks for calling. Dennis Prager and Bruce Urshanson. Thanks for taking my call. Uh-huh. Um, very interesting discussion. Um, but I guess I'm, I'm a little um, confused as far as talking about the Khmer Rouge. I mean, it's my understanding that in uh, in the 80s. Um, the Reagan administration continued to recognize the Khmer Rouge as the legitimate government of Cambodia after the communists overthrew that. So, uh, it, it, I mean, I, I don't know that certainly there are a lot of terrible things that happened in Southeast Asia, but I don't know that it's fair to politicize, um, um, you know, American politics as being to blame. And, and, and frankly, the author made a point saying that Nixon said that he would have somehow saved lives by fiercely bombing Cambodians. Um, I think the logical uh, outcome of that would be that more Cambodian farmers would have died, and we still wouldn't have achieved any type of peace, uh, similarly to what took place in, in Vietnam. Vietnam was bombed severely, and, uh, and what did we end up with? All right. Stay on. Stay on. I'm not letting you go, Jason, but Bruce Hershenson will respond. Uh, Jason, I think you're intentionally, intentionally focusing on those things that might give credibility to someone who doesn't know the whole story. It would be like saying, what the devil did we do bombing Berlin? What the devil did we do bombing Hiroshima and Nagasaki? What we were killing people. Yes, that's what war does. It's too bad, but peace does it even more so. In the case of Southeast Asia, at least I can speak about Southeast Asia, I mentioned to Dennis, and I hope you were listening, that more people were killed in the first in the first year of the peace than in the previous decade of the war. No, it would have brought it would have brought them to their knees. You would have been one of those who would have said, "Stop that." bombing in December of 1972. You're not going to get them to uh, to agree to, to the, those things that President Eisenhower, Kennedy, Johnson, and Nixon wanted. And you would have been wrong because it brought them to their knees. There is documentation, which I, which I have uh, in, in the book, uh, regarding them saying they lost the war at that point. In their memoirs, they said they lost the war at that point. That's why they signed this agreement that surely was not in their interest. But you're focusing on those kinds of things that would make people say, yeah, that's right, we bombed so people died. Why don't we say that about World War II? Is that what we, is that what we did? Is that what we, did we cause World War II? No. We caused the establishment of liberty throughout Western Europe and Japan. And, and I think that you're being very unfair in commenting on those things that for sure do happen in war. People do get killed. It happens. But once the liberty of the people are taken away, there are people who will die for liberty. And the one great thing, I think, the greatest thing about the United States, in my view, we're the only country since World War II that has consistently 
given our lives for the liberty of strangers. No other country can make that claim. Jason, Jason, any any reaction? Certainly, I uh, I understand your your point. I I, I understand. I'm, I'm younger. I don't have that. Uh, um, I have not yet read your book, but I think it is it is extremely unfair to compare World War II and the conditions of that war to Southeast Asia. And I just want to make a few points. First of all, um, World War II. We were perceived by the people in Western Europe as liberators. Many, many people were against that. Southeast Asia, Vietnam, those people did not know that we were coming to liberate them. They were under hundreds of years of history, whether the French were invading them uh, or, or other. Okay, other Jason, we, gotta, take... we have to take a break. I will add a, a reaction to, to, to uh, Bruce Hershenson's because... And I want you to know you're a bright guy, and I'm honored to have you as a listener. We'll be back in a moment. This truly significant book is up at DennisPrager.com, An American Amnesia by Bruce Hershenson. Dennis Prager here. By the way, this hour is a perfect example of why people get Pragertopia, the subscription to this show. This is an exact example of something I'd like you to play for everybody you know who's under 40. And and let them hear from one of the great scholars of American foreign policy, Bruce Hershenson, what happened in Vietnam. Now, you may root for one side or the other. And tragically, there were Americans who rooted for the Viet Cong and the North Vietnamese. But that's the se- that's a separate that's a moral question. The historical issue is what has been played out here. The book is an American amnesia. Were you uh, were you about to say something? Or I was because yes, he talked were, about uh, that 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 the, the people of Vietnam and Cambodia wanted us out of there. That mm-hmm. whereas World War II, we were seen as liberators. Right. If he reads the headlines of the newspapers, New York Times, Washington Post, whatever it may be, after World War II, they hated Americans. We bombed them. They hate. Of course, we were we were greeted as liberals when we came in and took it. But the hatred for the United States was intense. Read the headlines of the uh, of those papers of Life magazine of what they were saying of how we were treated. Now I got it. Uh, he obviously had not been to Southeast Asia prior to the war. He probably couldn't couldn't have been. But I, they wanted us there so badly, so badly, and we're not even thinking of the fact that we'd ever leave. In the, in, in the book, Dennis, I have a letter by Prince uh, Matak to our ambassador, John Gunther Dean. He knew that the Khmer Rouge was coming in in a couple of days, and he's, he, he told uh, Prince Matak that he could, he could get refuge in the United States. I have the copy of the letter that he wrote, in which he it was very appreciative but said, no, he's staying with this country, and the only mistake he ever made was thinking that they would be abandoned, that America wouldn't keep its word. I'd like to add one quick thing here. I interviewed Vietnamese boat people mm-hmm. uh, in, uh, in South Korea mm-hmm. uh, many years ago for a book I was writing. I never published it, but a, a book I was writing on, on communism. And I looked at them and I said, Many of you thought the Viet Cong would be, and the North Vietnamese would liberate you, right? Yes, he said, we did. I said, so is it fair to say that I, living in America, the other side of the world, knew better your future than even you did? And he said, yes, that is right. Hmm. They, they, their own propaganda gotcha. got them, but gotcha. ask, ask Vietnamese now who were the liberators. 
You Bruce Hershenson, God bless you, is all I could say. Keep writing, keep teaching, keep speaking. American Amnesia is the book, How the U.S. Congress, 200 pages, by the way, forced the surrenders of South Vietnam and Cambodia. And Mike, David, Shelley, Tony, and Dave, every one of your calls would have been terrific. This is the limitations of time and life. We are all battling the clock. True. Don't go away. I'm Dennis Prager. Hi, Dennis Prager here again with a message for anyone struggling with pain. Of course, I want you to know about Relief Factor, the 100% drug-free supplement that tens of thousands are now taking every day. I take it every day. I like being out of pain. But I know you may be skeptical. I certainly was. Then I kept hearing about all the people, including my wife, who were no longer in pain. So I decided to give it a try. In fact, listen to Alan's story. I've been in back pain since my early 20s. Now I'm 51. In my early 20s, I worked for the state prison. I got injured and I was off work for about a year. I'm now a train engineer. I basically sit all day long. My wife making me take Relief Factor literally changed my life. I don't feel like I'm 20 again, but my back does. Everyone knows you want something drug-free. You want something that will help your own body deal with the inflammation that can often cause pain in your neck, back, shoulder, hip, knee, or foot. Actually, even general aches and pains from just getting older, exercise, everyday living, all can be a real problem, even keeping you from sleeping through the night. So here's what I suggest you do. Pete and Seth Talbot, the father-son owners of Relief Factor, have created what they call a three-week quick start. It's a trial pack, and they've discounted it to just $19.95. That's about a dollar a day. And after that, about the cost of a cup of coffee a day to stay out of pain. That's a three-week quick start for just $19.95. And you should know this. About 70% of the people who order the three-week quick start for just $19.95 go on to order more. So do what so many others have already done. Take Pete and Seth Talbot up on their offer and go to relieffactor.com and order the three week quick start that's relieffactor.com or call 800-500-8384 800-500-8384